Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream on a topic I think is really important to everyone. It's something that I think is just, it, it impacts everybody in the United States when it comes to freedom of speech, especially on the internet, but it especially impacts, I think, this community. I know many of you like me started off or are still posting on Twitter often, you know, without your real face or name or anything on there. And you think to yourself, you know, the events that impact people like Ricky Vaughn could impact people like me. So I know it's a story that a lot of you have been asking about. Coming on to discuss uh, Ricky Vaughn's case is his attorney, James Lawrence. James, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, James has served as an attorney with the Trump administration, and he is now defending Ricky Vaughn in this case. We're going to go through a number of different aspects of this. We're going to go in first kind of close and get the general outline of what things look like, what happened, bring people up to speed who maybe aren't familiar. But we're also then going to talk about the wider implications about what this case could mean for everyone's speech online, freedom of speech, the ability to, you know, just have political comedy, these kind of things that everyone just took for granted as part of your right as American online. We're going to be getting to all of that. But I do want people to remember that James is involved in a case that, you know, is ongoing right now. And so there are things that he may not be able to touch on. So if we get into those areas, he'll just let us know and we'll move on from there. But with that, James, can we go ahead and start out for people who are unfamiliar who is Ricky Vaughn and why is he in this situation in the first place? So um, Ricky Vaughn was a Twitter account that was in use at uh, certain points in and around the 2016 election. Uh, the account had an avatar that was based on the uh the, the character from the movie Major League, played by Charlie Sheen, uh, shown wearing a kind of a cartoonish MAGA hat and, and other uh, you know, adornments to the to the overall kind of look and feel of the Twitter page. And this particular account uh, tweeted a number of things throughout the 2016 election cycle that were related to politics, uh, memes and satirical uh, analyses and, and claims in, in, the, in the broader context, really, of what was happening on Twitter in 2016, which was a very much a free-for-all and uh, people making uh, statements that were, uh, from a certain point of view, uh, objectionable or sort of... Um, outrageous, I suppose, which is consistent, I think, with the overall point of satire and comedy being a mechanism by which people can use to, to, to poke fun at the powers that be at any given time. So um, with respect to this particular case, um, Douglas Mackey is alleged by the government to be the person who owned and operated the Ricky Vaughn uh, account. That is what the, uh, the, the complaint in the indictment was brought against my client um, alleges the government. And this is all part of, of the public record that I'm, I'm, I'm citing from and what I'll be discussing here today. But 
the government, again, alleges that he owned the account and that uh, at certain points in time in the lead up to the 2016 election, engaged in uh, the use of deceptive memes. And one of the uh, memes that's cited in the indictment as the government crafts its overall narrative of its of its case is that uh, Mr. Mackey, again, alleged to be the owner of the Ricky Vaughn account and the alleged person who um, made these tweets uh, tweeted, allegedly, a meme regarding draft our daughters uh, in, in a, a way to kind of poke uh, fun at the Clinton campaign and and really to criticize, I I uh, I would I would say the the hawkish position of the uh, of the Clinton campaign on on issues like uh, engagement with Russia, for example. So I believe there was uh, a, a, an alleged meme that uh, the government says that the Vaughn account tweeted that or on that. Um, but as as the uh, 2016 election uh, came closer, the government also alleges that the account uh, tweeted memes related to uh, the, the method of, of voting, particularly uh, a meme which contained uh, a, a picture of a individual and uh, some some commentary inviting voters, inviting potential Twitter users to, um, to, to vote by to vote by text. And the government alleges that a certain number of people uh, took up that invitation and texted the number. Uh, they do not allege uh, in the indictment or the, com the, the complainer in any of the pleadings that have been put forth so far in this case that any one voter actually didn't vote as a result of the meme, but uh, that uh, that that the meme um, was part of a conspiracy to interfere with the constitutional right to vote. And the statute that's at issue, and I want to read from the statute that's at issue, that the, the operative language uh, is from Title 18 of the United States Code, Section 241, and that criminalizes conspiracies to, quote unquote, injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person with respect to the, uh, their exercise of, of their constitutional rights. In this case, the government's allegation is the, the right to, to vote. And so um, citing this meme the government um, arrested Mr. Mackey shortly after uh, President Biden took office in January of 2021 under 18 U.S.C. 241, uh, which, again, um, he's charged with conspiring to violate civil uh, constitutional rights. Um, and, and so, um, that's uh, that's that's the the background of kind of how how we got here. Now now the statute itself, I'll just note, was 
a reconstruction era statute that was passed after the civil war with the goal of um, of really securing the rights of newly freed slaves to engage in civil life in the post-civil war south and what we're seeing here from the defense's standpoint is a uh, is, is an expansion of that statute in a way that it was never originally intended to be expanded, even though Congress, by the way, and we have argued this in the, the pleadings, has considered uh, taking action to, to um, regulate election misinformation and disinformation. Um, multiple times, multiple bills have been uh, put out to, to consider doing that, and they've never passed. And yet, again, from from our vantage point here, the government is trying to use the statute to uh, accomplish what could not be accomplished otherwise through the legislative process. That's that's again separate and apart from the very troubling First Amendment free speech questions that the prosecution raises. Absolutely, and we're definitely going to get into those. But I want to break down some of the information you just gave everybody because I think it's really important. So the first thing here is, of course, that Ricky Vaughn, for people who don't know, weren't aware of kind of like online, especially like right wing culture in around the 2016 election it is, you know, pretty different. You get that this is where the phrase me mad magic came from, right? And so there was a lot of people out there, you know, sharing wild and crazy stuff, having a lot of fun, making jokes, a lot of satirical humor, a lot of stuff that's over the top, a lot of gonzo type stuff. And so this is very much the the context in which this happens, which I think is very important because for people who don't really know what that was like, they don't really understand that this is very much a, kind of the subculture that existed at the time. And of course, memes were a key part of that. So comedy is a really essential part of this. And so many times people would speak on these political topics, but they're laying on like heavy amounts of irony, different layers of inside jokes. You need to be seven, eight, nine layers deep on some of this stuff to really understand some of the jokes that were being made. And so when people just look at these memes or just look at what's going on, they may not get that context, but it's really essential to know that this is the stuff that allegedly Ricky Vaughn was, was kind of posting into in this environment. Now, the meme, the first one that you cited is kind of hilarious because the draft I do our daughter's meme, I think, as you pointed out, is poking fun at the fact that the left is not only very hawkish and pro-war now, we can see that very clearly when it comes to you know the, Ukra uh, the conflict in Ukraine and everything that's happened since, but also very uh, th that the left is uh, comically egalitarian to the point where it would subject women in the United States to uh, compulsory military service under the guise of equality. And so this, this was, of course, a joke at the time. This was on nobody's radar. Everyone saying, oh, this is ridiculous. But that actually came true, right? Like we've actually now had proposals. We've actually had the left making uh, proposals that this actually be an action. So the so so ironically, Ricky Vaughn there, they're citing something that was prophetic in its comedy which is even more chilling because that means that people can't make jokes that um, that reveal truths that might become something that actually manifests in the real world later on for fear of the government attacking them legally. Well, and just to be clear, Aaron, I mean, the, 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 that, that meme is part of the overall context that I think the government's allegations are setting. Mm -hmm. the, the interference issue 
is with respect to the uh, the, the vote by text. Right. Just to be right. Clear. Sure. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the larger implications of this prosecution are uh, if, again, if 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 what the Ricky Vaughn account allegedly tweeted out is actionable from a matter uh, from the perspective of the criminal law in this country. In terms of providing instructions, false instructions, allegedly, as the government asserts in its theory of the case, um, about the method and manner of voting. Uh, it's not a far <laughs> attenuated leap to, to go to policing misinformation and disinformation about candidates themselves and their positions, right? And the Supreme Court has said in the Alvarez case, four justices in an opinion, a plurality opinion, 6-3 decision on the Stolen Valor Act, which criminalized um, individuals falsely claiming that they had served in the military, right? That was a 6-3 decision by the Supreme Court who said that, that could not, that, that wasn't uh, acceptable under the, the First Amendment. And four justices in that case, including um, Justice Kennedy, who wrote the, the plurality opinion in that case, which was joined by uh, Justice Ginsburg and uh, Justice Sotomayor, was that we don't have a ministry of truth in this country, right? This is, and they in fact cited in the plurality opinion to uh, George Orwell's 1984, we don't have a ministry of truth in this country. Um, that That is something that I believe the court wrote, something to the effect of it, that's that's at odds with our constitutional tradition. And the, 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 the Pandora's box, really, that this prosecution represents and, and the door that we on the defense side of this equation are trying to close is the, the, the possibility that this case, again, sets a precedent that uh, the government will use to push the boundary further uh, in, 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 in all kinds of ways that relate to uh, the, the, the voting process. And, and, and is that, and we submit that's not, that's not the proper role of, of the federal government to be involved in that uh, kind of activity uh, or really any government under the First Amendment, state, local, or federal. Uh, and those are the stakes that this case raises. And, um, and that's why it's important. That's why it matters to anyone, really regardless of political ideology, left, right, center. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a huge issue that, uh, that, that everyone, all Americans should care about. Yeah, in the case you're citing, I believe the Congress had to rewrite the the law in question so that it could only ban the fraud. It couldn't actually ban the claim because, like you said, there, there's no Ministry of Truth in the United States. Though, again, ironically, actually, they sure did try under the banner of misinformation. Right? They they appointed a a, a misinformation czar and then disappeared her almost immediately uh, as she continually embarrassed the Biden administration. Well, well, and that's and that's part of this overall. This overall world that we're living in, right? About myths and disinformation. And unfortunately, and I, I come at it from somebody, uh, you know, as we talked about, having litigated uh, against Twitter on behalf of Alex Berenson and Berenson versus Twitter, arguing about 
Twitter's COVID misinformation policy, misleading information policy, and the efforts that were made at various points in time in the pandemic to try to control the spread of misinformation and disinformation. And let's remember that uh, at, at certain times, Twitter um, was policing claims that the COVID-19 vaccines did not stop the uh, stop infection or transmission of, of, of the disease itself, of COVID-19. Um, so, you know, the, these are all issues, misinformation and disinformation. These are all very issues that, that, that cut across ideology, I would argue. They cut across ideological, the, the ideological spectrum and really across subject matter, uh, particularly when you think about what happened and what went on with COVID-19 uh, and, 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 and needing to debate the lockdown measures or masking or vaccine mandates or, or, or whatever the, the standard position of the government was at the time. Yeah, and YouTube is still policing that, so we may or may not find out uh, if they approve of our current discussion. But um, you can always catch it on Blaze TV if they take it down, guys. Uh, so one of the things that I also wanted to talk about was the nature of the statute that's being exploited in this case. Because as you pointed out, this is originally a statute meant to prevent, I think, most directly, like violent action or uh, other action actively taken to stop you know, newly freed slaves from voting. So what we're seeing here is a theme that I think we've seen quite often and probably will continue to see in the United States, which is the exploitation of civil rights-based law as a way to punish political opponents. And so it seems very clear to me, and of course you're, you're a lawyer in this case, so I don't know how much you can, but I can say the opinion, so, so I'll go ahead and air it. It seems very clear uh, that this law is being expanded and directed with the intent of punishing someone who embarrassed Hillary Clinton, a very powerful person, a very well-connected person whose friends are now most likely involved in operating the Biden administration on it, you know, on behalf of an Alzheimer's pa patient. And so, you know, uh, that's very likely why this was extended and the implications are very dire because these laws can be wildly exploited as we're seeing now to go after people in ways that were never imaginable. Of course, this law was written entirely without the internet, the, the concept of memes, that there would ever be satire around this stuff, that this could be mass communicated. That was obviously nothing that came to mind when this law was drafted. They can't, as you pointed out, get the law passed that would do this. They thought about it. They considered it. The language has been uh, drafted at some point or another, but they cannot actually solidify this. And so because they don't have the law on the books they need, they can find a way to go out and exploit an old civil rights law with, that has nothing to do with the case that's currently being leveled at your client. And they're going to continue to use that to prosecute someone just because they don't like the fact that he humiliated them allegedly online. Well, we... We we have argued the the in in the and again I can I can speak to what's in the public record. Right. Yeah. We, we have argued uh, on the defense side that this this prosecution is is unprecedented under 18 U.S.C. 241 because it's it's been it's been directed at uh, 
physical activities, right? So, for example, um, interfering with people's right to vote in the context of cutting phone lines uh, or, or otherwise preventing people from getting, into the, getting to the polls um, physically to cast their ballot, not uh, with respect to simply pure, pure, you know, pure speech. Um, so, you know, again, I mean, the, the, the law, the law, uh, our, our position is that the law is, is being, you know, is being expanded through the process of, of, of the prosecution and that there are, there are a number of, of rules that, uh, would counsel against its application in this case. Obviously we've talked about the first amendment being one of them, but another is the, the rule of lenity, which every first year law student learns about in their introductory criminal law class, which is that to the extent there's any ambiguity in a statute, it's construed against uh, the government and not in, in favor of uh, or um, against a, a, a defendant. So, um, you know, you're, you're, our, 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 our position, again, which has been outlined in, in the briefing in the case, is that Congress tried to expand the scope of what is actionable from a uh, criminal law perspective with respect to misinformation and disinformation. Those proposals uh, did not go anywhere, and yet here we are. Um, the reasons why we're here would be speculative. I can say that the defense, Mr. Mackey, uh, all, all have deep respect for the legal system and for the process that uh, is is before us, and are grateful for the guarantees and the Constitution with uh, for for trial by jury, um, which which you know, again, Mr. Mr. Mackey is 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 very grateful for and has faith in. Yeah, it uh, would be nice if the DOJ had the same uh, respect. But let me ask you this. I believe you, you already said no one was harmed by this, right? They're not even alleging that one person was not able to cast their vote due to this action. Yeah, that's 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 right. But the government's uh, the government's view and theory of the case is that they don't have to prove that they they only have to prove the conspiracy and to interfere with the right to vote, regardless of whether or not one actually uh, voted or not. And again, one can just see how um, taken, drawing out the implications of that are very troubling and chilling for purposes of freedom of speech, right? Uh, I mean, it, it, are, are, are people going to be able to speak freely on broadcasts like this? Are they going to be able to have free and open, um, unfettered debate on really the issues of the day if if this Pandora's box is open? And and that that's at the core of this case. It's why this case is so important. Aaron. It's it's why um, it's why I'm here with you today is because you know I I I, I certainly see I see the stakes. That are that are at play, and and I would just say, you know, for, for your for your viewers that are there to listen to us right now, if you're interested in 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 being um, in, in assisting with with the defense, 
uh, Mr. Mackey has established a defense fund. It's at uh, memedefensefund.com. Again, meme, M-E-M-E, defensefund.com. And you can, you can log on there and learn more. Absolutely. And I know that many people actually were asking me about, you know, being able to help uh, Mr. Mackey in his defense. I know a lot of people lamented the fact that really there wasn't the, you know, the type of support system necessary in, in place beforehand. Uh, like, like this stuff has kind of grown up a little more now. I think people are more aware of the fact that, you know, you need a support system for people when they run into these kinds of legal challenges, this kind of stuff, because if you don't have that for people, then it makes it much harder for them to fight the necessary battles. So if you guys are you know interested in that, please go ahead and check out what James just told you about to help out Ricky Vaughn. But uh, I want to go now into the wider uh, implications here, right? So as you said, this can have a very chilling effect, especially when it comes to particular types of comedy, right? Like we all are pretty sure. I, I, I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I can speak on this more than you can, but but we obviously are, are very sure that the average late night host, the average kind of uh, you know uh, liberal who's just going to get up there and spout regime talking points, they can make all the jokes they want about political candidates. They can make all the jokes they want about voting. They can do skits that satirize the process, even if they might mislead on someone. And the you know the government is never going to come after them. This is very clearly, I believe, uh, targeted uh, prosecution, and it's done to with a specific effort to chill. Uh, a very effective form of speech, which, which are memes. Memes are designed specifically to be very vague, to be very open, to be very uh, interpretable by their audience. That's kind of what makes them magical. That's what makes the meme magic happen, that they can spread like wildfire because they contain a core idea, but they aren't you know, necessarily something that uh, you know directs people in a specific way. And so I think that this, the broadness with which they could apply this law will really lock down on a lot of things, but mean comedy in particular, because you can really attach it to almost any aspect of a general meme saying that it could mislead, it could do something, it could bring some kind of doubt into a fact that has now been deemed unquestionable or misrepresent a position of a candidate or something like you had mentioned. And all of a sudden the meme maker is a criminal who could go to jail or face serious fines. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, uh, is it is it the kind of political power that anyone wants the federal government to wield? And mm. the Supreme Court has said again, I'll, I'll cite the Alvarez case: four justices, very powerfully citing to George Orwell's 1984, that our constitutional tradition stands against the concept of a ministry of truth. And, you know, yeah, I mean, comedy, satire, all of these, these tools have typically been used by the, 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 the less powerful to speak out on, uh, uh, speak out on behalf of, uh, speak out, to speak on behalf of the less powerful against the powers that be in any given society, right? We, we can go back from from uh, historical analogs to, uh, to 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 Aesop's fables, right, and and uh, to uh, other 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 classic pieces of literature where uh, satire, 
meme type literature, right? Memes are are certainly a they're an internet phenomena, but not entirely without historical precedent. But but again, it's it's a, it's a it's a mechanism and it's a way for less powerful people to speak truth to more powerful people. And our constitution protects that. You know, our First Amendment is uh, designed at its core, right, to protect political speech, right? The, the First Amendment isn't, isn't, you know, there to protect, you know, and, and again, this might be a little bit far, far afield, but, you know, new dancing, for example. Right mm-hmm. or, or pornography. I mean, the, the the core of it is to be able to engage in conversations about the big issues of the day. And yes, if 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 this Pandora's box is opened, then the the, the chilling effect from from our vantage point, in our view, is is significant. And again, it's it 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 it's not an ideological issue. It's something that cuts across ideological lines and should be of concern to each and every American. Absolutely, and I think it also touches again on something that's near and dear to my audience, which is internet anonymity. Now, obviously, that's not the core part of this case, but I think a lot of people relate to it because Ricky Vaughn is just an average guy. I, I believe Ricky, or I believe Douglas Mackey was like a local journalist or something uh, before, uh, before all this is just a, just, just an average person, you know, allegedly posting online under this account. And, you know, we just had a guy like Jordan Peterson today on Twitter ranting against internet anonymity, how, how important it is to, to get rid of internet anonymity, how you know dangerous it is to have people speaking their minds in public, uh, you know. And I think it's really critical. I think it's really important for people in positions of power, uh, especially on the right, to acknowledge the importance of having voices out there that have the ability to make these controversial statements, that have the ability to make this satire, to make this comedy, to craft the memes that break this conditioning that break this censorship because so much of the Trump campaign was about Trump saying things that other people wouldn't say. And so much about the accounts like Ricky Vaughn are their abilities to to post things that otherwise maybe wouldn't get said. And the fact that internet anonymity allows that and we see the government specifically going after people like this. I mean, you know, there was that one guy who did the Trump beating up CNN meme and they CNN like completely doxed and destroyed this guy's life. Now this is, you know, with, with Ricky Vaughn, this is a whole nother level where the government is active, actually taking criminal action, not just doxing, but trying to completely destroy someone in a way that, like you said, will absolutely chill this ability of internet anons to speak out and do so from a position that allows them to say true things that no one else would really express. Well, to your point about anonymity, right? Let's, uh, let's just think about, that for a second um you know and again the the, just setting to the side the the government's allegation is that mr mackey owned and operated and tweeted under uh ricky bond and that is just an allegation um but with respect to anonymity um when you think about the architects of our constitution right the 
Federalist Papers were written <laughs> under, right? They were yeah. written uh, anonymously under under pen names. Publius, or, right? Right, right, or right, or you know, the the Anti-Federalist Papers. We think about people like Brutus and uh, Federal Farmer and the rest of them. I mean, the, the, so. So there's a great history and tradition in this country of people using uh, anonymity uh, to to a, a, as a shield to be able to air views that they otherwise uh, wouldn't be able to air without fear of reprisal, whether that's governmental or or you know or private, and and, and it's it's an important thing, right? Um, you know, not everybody has the the wherewithal and the ability to, to enter into the public arena. You and I, you and I are blessed to be able to have the conversation that we're having right now. And I'm showing my face uh, as James Lawrence, uh, right? You know, I, 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 I can do that. Um, you can have the show that you're having, but a lot of people don't have that, that ability without putting themselves unduly in a, in, you know, in, in, a, in a bad, in a bad position. So, you know, on anonymity, and this is just more of, you know, a general comment more than anything else is a very, it's a very important thing. And it goes right back to the very foundations of this country and the constitution and, and, and the pay and the very papers that the Supreme court routinely cites as they're explicating what these guarantees mean to us now in 2023. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so important is, is just, just the very papers that we're, we're talking about the very concepts, the very legal protections, the very philosophical grounding on which we're basing our arguments were often first argued by newspaper anons, right? I believe Thomas Paine originally published common sense under an Englishman, uh, you know, so it, this is deeply in the core, in the history and tradition of the United States, in its founding documents, in its belief in the ability to speak and the belief of people to shield themselves, not just from government reprisal, as you point out, but very importantly, personal and private reprisal, because increasingly these corporations, uh, as we find out, and, you know, I think you have some experience with, with the, the Alex and Berenson case, these these private uh, institutions are in effect arms of the government. They do censor on its behalf. We know this from the Twitter files. We know this explicitly. You don't have to guess about it at this point. And so the fact that, that, that you know, it's just a private company that silences you or fires you uh, or keeps you from doing banking, you know, these are all things that don't matter because they are doing so in many ways, you know, directly on the behest of the government or in, or, or in league with the government. And so this distinction is, is pretty ridiculous. And I think it's really important for everybody who has any kind of voice, any kind of leadership to support internet anonymity, because like you said, it does go right back to the founding of the country and the core of the documents that they're talking about defending in the first place. Well, I mean, to, and to your point about private reprisals, and again, I would acknowledge this is a difficult issue for people on the right um, to, to grapple with, because the right, certainly the conservative movement, having been a veteran of it myself and kind of grown up in it, is is you want to be able to uh, vindicate the rights of business owners and private property owners and mm -hmm. property is so important. Uh, so so it, it, there's there's tension where you're you're wanting to use uh, the power of the state, the power of the government to um, 
to police private reactions to speech, right? So, you know, there, 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 there is a tension uh, there, but, you know, it's interesting. You, I, I think of the meme um, on the issue that you just raised of the, of the foot that that's tramp, trampling down on the on the you know the the don't tread on me snake with different uh, corporate logos emblazoned on the on the ankle. I don't know if you've seen the meme that I'm talking about. Oh sure, yeah. It it, it goes to the point that uh, you know it, it the conservative reaction or the right's reaction to that kind of uh, activity is is sometimes leaves leave some to somewhat to be uh, something to be desired, I suppose. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think we've talked about most of the core issues around the case. If you have any questions, of course, uh, James Lawrence can only speak on certain things. He is, he is, does have to, uh, you know, make sure that he's uh, kind of in accordance with everything uh, with the law and whatnot. So, uh, you know, we're happy to uh, answer as much as we can, but there might be certain things that we can't touch on. But just as we are wrapping up, James, could you, uh, for people again, just give that place, if they want to support, uh, you know, Douglas Mackey in his defense, how can they do that? Yes. Happy to do that, uh, Aaron. So again, uh, to learn more about the defense fund, you can log on to memedefensefund.com. Again, M-E-M-E defensefund.com. And uh, there, there's an opportunity for you to, to, to donate there if you're so inclined. Uh, in terms of other things that people can do to support, I, uh, I've said this previously and I'll say it again and reiterate. Um, I, I do believe that uh, James chapter 15, or excuse, James chapter 5, verse 16 is true that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And um, so I would ask for anyone that's concerned about this case or interested in this case to 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 pray about it, to to pray for Doug, to pray for uh, the defense team, to pray really that justice will be done. In this case, it's probably um, the most important thing I would argue that 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 one can do. Um, and certainly, you know, as for Doug, he has he has faith in God. He has faith in the jury system that our founders secured for us in the Bill of Rights. Um, and, and I'll just say that uh, from my from my vantage point, it's it's a it's a privilege to 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 stand and, and fight on his behalf and be a part of this defense team. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad it's getting done. Like I said, it's it's a critical case. It's something that shouldn't people shouldn't just let this go by the wayside. This is this is such an uh, you know, again, this is me saying this, not James, but this is such a horrific abuse of government power. This is so obviously politically motivated. This is obviously so petty. This is such a manipulation of legal code in an, an attempt to silence and destroy and chill uh, free speech in the United States. The fact that this case even exists is a absolute travesty. It should shock the conscience of the United States and the government officials involved. And uh, absolutely, please pray for Douglas Mackey's defense because he should absolutely be exonerated. This is just insanely ridiculous. Now, I, I did want to ask one more thing before we go, and, and I don't know how much you can talk about it, so feel free to just tell me you can't if, if there's certain aspects you can't. But I have heard that it has been reported that the judge in this case has said that uh, they want a fully vaccinated jury. 
Um, is is there any word on on the truth of that? Uh, I, I, actually, there's an update on that from okay. So the the court uh, after uh, the government made a submission yesterday and uh, Doug's defense team put in papers yesterday talking about the potential well well the evolving situation with respect to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and 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 specifically how a uh, categorical bar on fully vaccinated jurors or, or fully a, a categorical bar on unvaccinated jurors could have a disparate impact on the basis of race and religious affiliation but in, in any event the court uh, ordered today uh, clarified that uh, the court will not require a fully uh, vaccinated jury to be impaneled uh, and and so um, unvaccinated individuals uh, could could potentially be part of that uh, that pool and that's probably all I can say about it Okay, well, that's that's good to hear because that was a very concerning development. Of course, I'm sure many people understand that at this point, vaccination status is considered by most a badge of loyalty. It's just like face masks. Again, these are my words, not not anyone involved legal case. But the, these actions are being taken specifically to weed out people who otherwise would agree with the wrong type of people. This is why vax requirements were pushed in the military to purge it of people with wrong think this is why they're being pushed in all kinds of things uh they, they try to push them in corporate uh, corporations why they try to push them in all these different organizations because it weeds out people with the wrong opinions people with the wrong backgrounds people who think the wrong way and if that can be exploited in the legal system if you can impanel juries specifically based you can uh, based on their vaccine vaccination status you can make it far more likely to ensure the outcome that you're looking for especially when trying political dissidents and so it's a very dangerous precedent so uh that that's just something that i hope is is not used in the future and just to be clear that that uh rule was not promulgated by the court in this particular case that's sure the 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 rule in, in prior cases and you know again we 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 uh, respect the the court immensely we respect the process mm -hmm. and we're grateful uh, again for the jury system and the opportunity that uh, Mr. Mackey and his defense team will have in the middle of March to put to put on his case in this very important case. Absolutely. All right, guys, uh, we do have one question here real quick. Let me grab that. Uh, enlightened Desmond here for $20 in uh, Canada. Thank you very much, sir. There's also the issue of political anonymity. In Canada, you can't become a judge without disclosing social media. You will never be before a judge who shares our moral views in private and can interpret laws accordingly. Yes, very interesting uh, that, that basically there's a requirement where you would have to be able to vet a judge by their theoretically uh, anonymous posts that could be uh, applied to multiple different things, obviously a government service, uh, ability to work in law enforcement, military, all kinds of stuff. And so having this kind of retroactive ability to uh, force people to compel, you know, compel them to air, uh, you know, uh, anonymous speech after the fact means that you could secure a system in which no one with kind of these wrong thinking views is able to enter into these positions of power, which is, is a dangerous precedent as well. I'm not 
familiar with uh, Canada and its laws, but if Lightning Despot is correct, then obviously that could be very concerning. All right, guys, I think we are all done here. Uh, Want to go ahead and thank James again for coming on. It was very good to get this update. Very important issue. I'm sure everyone is very glad to know more about this incredibly important case and its implications. Again, if you want to go ahead and help out Douglas Mackey, uh, the prayers and donations are very much appreciated. I'm sure they really would appreciate that. Finally, uh, let me just make sure. Yep, we got all of our super chats. And if you are new to the channel, of course, today, guys, please make sure that you subscribe. And if you are not listening on podcasts, you want to go ahead and get this in the audio only format so you can work out, mow the lawn, play some video games, whatever you need to do while you're listening. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major platforms. It's there for you. There's links below in the description. And if you do that, please make sure that you go ahead and uh, leave a rating and a review that really helps out with everything. Thank you for coming on, guys. Thanks to James once again. And as always, we will talk to you next time.